See, it's a good thing too, because I think I say one of my most brilliant things unscripted. Yes. Well, this is unscripted totally, but the intro is going to be. <laughs> Welcome to On Solos. Today, I'm joined by Carol Mahoney, author of Buyer First, Grow Your Business with Collaborative Selling, and Unbound Growth Founder. Carol's changing the way the entire sales industry sees itself and how buyers see it too. She's been called a sales therapist at Harvard Business School, where she's a sales coach for their entrepreneurial MBA program. She's also the president of AAISP, Boston chapter, and has been named a top sales influencer by LinkedIn and sales hacker and voted a top sales coach by Ambition. Whew. Hello. How are you <laughs> doing, friend? <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty fabulous. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Doing this new thing here and glad to have you as number five. You're the fifth person here. I, so I'm bummed that I wasn't number four. That's my lucky number. Oh, come on now. I we could switch that. I mean, they all haven't been released yet. So that's okay. I think five is the golden <laughs> number. So I'll take that. I think so. Yeah, we'll do that. So listen, I normally start out by going, who do you help? How do you help them? But mm -hmm. I think for you, well, I'm going to ask you about your shirt first. <laughs> is that Zoom's filter or? or uh... No, this is, this is real. So it actually came about uh, when I was coaching one of my clients, uh, Mauricio was his name. And, you know, in coaching calls, as you know, one of the things I repeat probably very often is it is not about you. It is all about your buyers, hence the book Buyer First. And so Mauricio was like, you know what? I just need to get that like, you know, tattooed on my forehead or something. I'm like, well, it's not going to really do you much good there because you're not going to see it. Everybody else is going to see it. So I came up with this idea of a T-shirt with the hashtag not about me printed on it upside down so that the person wearing the shirt can <laughs> be reminded on a regular basis that it is not about me. Now, one of the things that I have learned is I will not wear this t-shirt when I'm traveling because everybody thinks that's permission to cut in front of me. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's also kind of one of those, if I'm wearing a t-shirt that says not about me all the time, I have to be very conscious of the fact I need to make it not about me. And so I actually gave it to Mauricio because at the end of the month, he, he started going into pitch mode. He would start giving a whole bunch of discounts. He was trying to rush the sale because he needed to meet his, his number. And so he needed that reminder to stay calm, cool, and collected and be reminded of, making it all about the other person, learning right. more about them than about what he needed. Well, sales manager was making it all about him and his number. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the <laughs> that's challenge, right? Yeah. That's the challenge is, well, is how, do you, how do you exist in these two different planes where you're getting this pressure to perform, whether from yourself, your others, or your manager, but how do you create this kind of, for lack of a better word, mental bubble where you can operate in a way where you're totally focused on the other person, because that's what's actually going to build trust and collaboration with buyers, which is what they need in order to buy from us. Well, today it's going to be hard for you because today it is about you. I'm interviewing <laughs> you. So that's your challenge. You said, Mauricio, you had a challenge. That's your challenge today. So speaking of you today, just today, yeah. just an exception. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll do it. Let's talk about other, we could still talk about other people. Let's talk about buyers and buyer first. What's yeah. been going on there? So it's a book that I've been trying to write for the past 12 years. And the irony of this is, and it's funny too, you started with asking about the t-shirt because that's really how the book came about. And I actually first heard about Not About Me. It was actually the first book that was written by Robin Dreek, who is an FBI behavioral analyst. He's like, he basically recruits people to spy for the US at one point upon a time. 
And so when he wrote a book called Not About Me that he just, he had self-published, I found it on Amazon and I started reading through it. And I'm like, this is exactly what sales needs. This is exactly what I've been telling my clients. And, you know, you think about traditional sales, it's always been brought up about what the company needed and their products and features and their sales process. And then with the age of the internet, suddenly buyers had all of the information they needed and the majority of the power in a buying situation. He who has the gold make the rules, that's our buyers. And so that's kind of how the book ended up coming about was I was so focused on what I wanted to write about and what I wanted to say to people and what I wanted to tell them. Instead, when I started focusing on who is this book really for? What is it that they're going through right now? And so I wrote this book for business owners who have to sell, solopreneurs. I wrote it for entrepreneurs that are startup founders that have to do the sales in their business, as well as individual salespeople, right? Because you're also facing pressures today, especially if you're working remotely. And you need to be somewhat entrepreneurial in sales today if you're going to succeed with today's buyer. So the book is written for them and they've tried everything, every tip, every trick, every hack that we're all inundated with, the alphabet soup of sales processes and methodologies and strategies. And we're frustrated that what seems to work for everybody else in all of these books that's written by all of these sales greats, all of these tactics, why isn't it working for us? What am I doing wrong? And what they don't realize is what I didn't realize. And you also have gone through this as well. Mm -hmm. It's our beliefs. It's our mindsets about sales and towards sales and the conversations in sales that is getting in our way of doing what we know to do, that we can do, and we probably should do. But in the moment when we need to ask that tough question, we chicken out or, or we don't even think of it because we're so wrapped up in our own heads that we can't even hear what the other person is saying because we're so busy listening to ourselves. So it's these kinds of beliefs and mindsets that this book is based on. So I use data from Objective Management Group of 2.3 million sales professionals on what does it take to be successful in sales today that's been gathered over the last 30 years. And I combine that with the psychology and the sciences of behavior change. How do we change our beliefs? How do we change our mindsets? And how do we change our behaviors to get a different result? And then use the decision science of how people make decisions today and the psychology and science and neuroscience behind that. And that's what this book kind of brings together is what's going on in the buyer side, because we need to help them make behavior change. That's what we're doing in sales. We're selling change. And what do we need to do on our side to be in a position where we're mentally capable of being able to collaborate with buyers today, which is what they want, in order to help them to reach and make the decisions that are in their best interest? I think not only are we going to become better salespeople as a result of this, we'll become better people and I think that's what's going to make the world a better place. Because if you think about entrepreneurship and sales, it's the gap between problems and solutions. And if we can make that happen in a better way that's more preferred by our buyers, we make the world a better place. That's well, my soapbox. I think that's a good soapbox to stand on. And I can also verify that you have been working on this for at least, well, I can say at least nine years or eight years, because that's how long I've known you since 2015, early 2015. Right. Right. And you were saying it's not about you back then. And you also taught me about things like the rules of engagement, never to make an assumption during a sale, all these great things. And really asking those uncomfortable questions with the buyer. And I, after that, you talk about mindset shift. It was, it was like, holy cow, I'm thinking about everything differently. It's just not a sale. I'm thinking about life differently. That's why I'm here today doing what I'm doing, interviewing you. I've wanted to do on solos. The solo lifestyle is about how you sell and what your actual goals are. You know, yeah. you, you get into it thinking you're going to be a startup, but for what? What's the end goal? 
those whys that you keep asking. So again, not about me today. It's about you. Tell me how you're helping solos. I think that's where our audience is most interested, like the solo life and how is it, what are the challenges do you see solos facing for sales, especially? Oh my gosh, so many. You know, selling yourself or your ideas or your vision of the future is a lot different than it is selling someone else's stuff. The fear of rejection isn't as great because it's not you rejecting it, your company's solution, right? Um, but when you're a solopreneur, when you're selling yourself, it is you they're rejecting, right? It's your expertise, your credibility, and that need for approval that we need. And just as entrepreneurs, we need that validation because we're doing things that a lot of times people have never done before. And, you know, like we're walking on the moon for the first time. Of course, we want validation that we're doing the right things. Like when you were a child growing up and you were learning to walk and you fell down or you did something, what's the first thing we do? We look to our parents. Did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? We were we were born into this need for validation is how we survived as a species. But when you get into sales as an entrepreneur, that's what's going to cripple you from asking tough questions that are going to see make buyers see you as credible. For example, yesterday I was on a sales call working with a company that is a large multi-million dollar company dealing with the CEO and talking with their sales leader. And, you know, we talked about the capabilities and the problems that they're having and how I can help them. And we came to the end and I gave them the price and asked the questions, you know, does this, this mean that you have to go to someone else to get approval at this price range? And they said, yeah, we are, we're going to need to go to Germany and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to need to talk to the leader there. I said, okay totally makes sense. What are kinds of questions are they going to ask you? What are some of the things you anticipate that they're going to give you pushback on? And they just stop for a second and they're like, I think you just won the deal just by asking that question because we wish our salespeople asked that question. <laughs> I could have easily chickened out and said, hey, you know, that totally understand. Let me know when you want to get back together and, and we'll discuss what they said instead of asking those tougher questions and eventually actually getting the meeting with that sales leader in Germany. And was that your first call with them? No, it was my third call with them. But your third call and you have that rapport already. They're ready to take their sales team. <laughs> have you guide them or have you do it? Yeah, but that's what we we need to ask those tough questions in our businesses because yeah. we're the ones delivering this, right? It's our reputation on the line. And so we don't ask those tough questions to make sure that this is going to be a good fit, that we're going to actually be able to help them not only, you know, help them to sell the deal, but also help them to achieve those results. We need to have certain people involved in the conversation, the people who are making the economic decision, who are going to look at, if I invest this, how much am I going to get out of that? We need to have those tough conversations because if we're not the right fit, then as a business owner, word of mouth is key. Like if you take on the wrong kind of client or aren't able to service the expectations that they have, word's going to spread very quickly and you're going to find it very hard to get your next customer because they talk to each other. That's the nature of the internet today, just makes it a whole lot easier for that to happen. And so that's one of the ways that selling on as an entrepreneur is different. Like in a company, you're handing it off to your customer success person to deal with any issues that might have happened in the sales process. And they're not going to love you for that. That's a separate conversation. But as an entrepreneur, it's you. You might find yourself with a client who's a PETA, right? The Can we swear on this show? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. A pain in the ass, right? Like when someone first told me what, you know, to add the PETA line to my invoice, I'm like, what do you mean? Flatbread? Like, why am I talking <laughs> flatbread? I was thinking of the animal thing. I had to like the wrong, oh, yeah. the wrong acronym. Yeah. I don't yeah, actually yeah. use the acronym. I just come, I'm from Jersey. I just go, but they were a pain in the ass. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're a PIFA. 
or a pifta right. for me. Right. Like, you know, why I, take them yeah. on to begin with? They're just gonna, <laughs> like, I, and I was at that point in my business, right? Before I actually went through this, you know, sales transformation in my own mindsets myself. But one of the reasons I hired a sales coach was not because I needed more clients in, I wanted different clients in because the ones that I had were a pain in the ass. They were, you know, paying their invoices late, questioning every line item, not listening to the advice I gave them, which meant they weren't getting the results that they needed, which meant that, you know, hence the invoice line item by line item. And I'm like, I just want to get clients that actually value my expertise so that I can get them the results that they want so that I can get referrals and recommendations to continue to grow my business. And it was the way I was selling them that was causing the problems. I wasn't asking the tough questions, wasn't talking to decision makers, wasn't asking consultative questions because as a business owner, I'm trying to feed my family. I'm That's trying right. to right that's like the, the challenge of the soul getting smaller and smaller and i'm like i need this to close and so i was pushy and aggressive and persistent but not actually helpful so the more yeah the more that desperation sets in the more as, as a solo you're just like i need a deal any deal right now let me and then it might be that client who just knows when you need that deal yeah. it's like the opposite of the stars being aligned it's you know and you get that client and then you might lose a couple more clients because that's when you took the client you shouldn't have taken. And then right. it just spirals out and maybe you wind up with no clients and you're like, I have to sell now. And then you're just selling quickly again mm -hmm. and maybe getting the next bad client. Right. And that can go on for or years. And that goes on for years, but then the other, so not only you're getting this roller coaster of sell, you know, try to sell, then deliver, and then have to do it all over again because it churns, but you're also burning yourself out. Right. So you're, you're creating more of this emotional stress for yourself, which is then, you know, we start our, I started my business initially because I got laid off in the great recession. I knew I wanted to start a business, but I had this whole five-year plan. Five years turned into six months because that's how long I had an unemployment. But ultimately I wanted a flexible schedule so that I could bring my kids to school. I could be, you know, their football, you know, president association, like all of these things that I wanted to be able to do is spend more time with my family. Yes. I wanted to make money in order to do that, but it was more about the kind of lifestyle I wanted at that time. And instead, what was happening was I was stressed out all the time. So I was snapping and yelling at my family instead of being upstairs and having dinner with them and doing homework. I was down here in the office, you know, crunching numbers on another spreadsheet for a client that was too demanding that wasn't going to pay for the extra work I was putting in. And it was the exact opposite. I'm like, why am I doing this? I should just go get a job. I was less miserable there. Well, maybe. And <laughs> so <laughs> or a different kind. Yeah, job is a four-letter word when you're a business owner, right? And I'd been a business owner long enough at that point that I was ruined for employment. Like I was just unemployable. Why is that, do you think? Because the solos, they might be able to identify with that. I definitely think I know what that means. To, you're used to doing your things your way. You have yep. your ideas. There's nobody to tell you that, no, you can't do it. And this is how you're going to use your time. There is no ceiling. The only ceiling is basically your own mindset. And, you know, you get the flexibility and the ability to decide who you want to work with, when you want to work with them, how you want to work with them and how much money you want to make with them. That's the only way you get that kind of freedom of choice is as an entrepreneur and a business owner. However, the downside is you're probably going to be working all the time. My husband says you do work 12 hours a day, even if you don't think you work 12 hours a day. And, you know, and a lot of times our families are the ones that are suffering as they watch us go through the ups and the downs and the screaming and the crying and I realized the shift that this was making for me when my kids said, you know what, mom, you're yelling a lot less than you used to. And that was a bit of a gut punch because like the whole reason I started this was to spend more time with them and be present for them. And it's the actual process of that that actually caused me to not be there with them. 
And so transforming my mindset towards sales, transform my mindset towards relationships and communications in general, because that's what sales is. And I became a better person because of it. You know, that's where kind of not about me came from. It's where, you know, being, you know, curious and being able to shut up sometimes <laughs> is how I got there. And so that's what this book is about. It's really about the journey that I went through from, you know, the moment I couldn't pay for the groceries in the grocery store to today where I make a consistent six-figure income and I'm looking at growing and scaling my business in a way that I didn't ever think was possible before. And finally writing the damn book and getting it done. <laughs> Those are all things that, you know, I never would have thought before where I could get up on stages and tell people, look, this is the shit that I had to go through and what I had to do to get there. And it's not just my experience. This is what the science and research says. And that's why it works for others. And and giving myself permission to do that. Like that's all part of the business owner and entrepreneurial journey that is unlike any other. It's You're also living a fulfilled life. It's a fulfilled yeah. life because how, like I said for years, I want to do a podcast. I want to do a podcast. I never did it. And I know. I you've been talking to you almost not as long as I've been saying the book, right? That's right. You, should, you know, I wrote this book and I, I made it a one thing. It was my one thing. Yeah. I said, geez, I've book. been hearing that for years. And I think I had my mad as hell moment. I'm like, you know what? Carol did it. She just did this book she's been talking about. I'm going to do the podcast. And it's good having other solos and friends because without seeing you do it, that might have been one of those things that just put me over the edge to just get me to do it. And that's mm -hmm. why I love having a community of solos because yeah. all of us are at different stages in the journey. Some get there earlier, some get there later, but I think when the solos are together, the journey's not as lonely and you don't have to make every mistake on your own and you don't have to throw in the towel and get a job and then be a difficult employee now that you've, you've become this way. And I have taken close engagements with clients and I have been a difficult employee. Sure. We've gotten results. It hasn't been pretty all the time. So, you know, when you actually immerse yourself again, you then have to adjust again, which is tough. So, yeah. you know, being a solo is one of those, one of those things where you can go write the book, you can do the podcast, you can spend time with your family, but it's not easy. And I wanted to ask, and I think the sales bit probably the is the hardest thing. And being a business owner who sells is the hardest job there is. It's harder mm -hmm. than being in a company. I've done both. And I know people who have done both. And ones that have gone from corporate into selling for themselves said, this is way more difficult. This is a totally different ballgame. And I think a lot of it also, too, has to do with a lot of that isolation, right? Because, you know, you look into the psychological research behind anxiety and depression and isolation is a big contributing factor to that. So, you know, we saw that happen with the pandemic and remote workers. We're still seeing that happen today. I think that's also one of the reasons why we're seeing this trend and rise in the need for communities, because we want to have people like us that we can learn from. I know that you had uh, uh, Pete Caputa on from Databox and yes. we stuck with him to do a survey for solopreneurs and benchmarking because, you know, all of these books, all of the tactics, all of the data, all of the research that's out there is focused on the game that's played in sales inside of corporations and companies where you have managers and resources and trainings. And as a solo, you don't. And most of us get into our businesses not because we wanted to be salespeople. Sorry, by the way, if you're a business owner and an entrepreneur, you're a salesperson. Sorry, not sorry. And... <laughs> Here's the thing of it, though, is that there's no data out there. There's no research out there. There's no benchmarks for us to compare ourselves to ourselves. One of the most common questions that I get from startup founders that I coach and entrepreneurs and business owners is, 
what, how much, how much time do you spend doing that? What's the kind of conversion rate that you get on this? Because you, you know, you're, you're doing sales for your own business as well. And they want to compare, like, what's the benchmark? Am I doing good? Am I about, you know, where everybody else is? I'm falling, am I falling way behind? So that's why I think having a community, having those kinds of benchmarks to be able to set ourselves up for the tracking systems to success. I think that's so crucial because we need to be able to learn from each other, but it's also the mental health aspect of it. I'm, I'm part of at least three or four different business owners focused communities or, you know, whether it's for public speaking or book writing or, you know, coaching and training. These are people that I learn from that feed me and I can feed them. And so if you're listening to this podcast, find that group for yourself. And it's probably going to be more than one group because this is isolating. And sometimes we need to get outside of our own four walls and outside of our own heads and get out with other people to start learning you know, what is it that they're doing and what are they going through? So, and we can help each other. I mean, we actually I, can help each other and you don't have to send a bill every time you help another person. I know that's not good sales advice, Carol, but you know, we also spend a lot of time on LinkedIn promoting ourselves and all that other stuff or just having conversations. Some of those conversations could be, oh, I, I use a book. You need a book. I use a bookkeeper. It could be a referral. It could be, mm-hmm. hey, oh, this book buyer first help me. Carol can help you. In fact, I've had a, a couple of podcasts already where I've mentioned you already on them because it is such a challenge. It's like, what's the challenge for a solopreneur? It's like, well, you're fulfilling the right need here and helping people with the sales because that is the number one challenge. And it's interesting you're mentioning the health aspect to it. Over the COVID time is where mm-hmm. I was had a chance to build a community um, with a client that was health related and nothing feels better to help people with their health. Yeah. And it really is. It's a great feeling to be able to do that. Um, one of the most fulfilling things you can do. Yeah. And when I started on solos, I thought, well, this has a health component because, you know, like you said, it the isolation for COVID for everyone, but you will post COVID, you'll feel that isolation as a solo. You'll mm-hmm. find those sales challenges and you're going to be in an environment where um, on an earlier podcast, I think it might, I can't remember who exactly said it, but it was like that resistance you might get from families. I think it was Brian Logan Reed who was saying, oh yeah, your parents will give you resistance. It could be your in-laws and your wife and who knows who it could be, right? Yeah. And as you're going through the struggles, I was talking to another soul the other day, my spouse doesn't understand when I say I'm going to get that next deal or doesn't understand why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you need your tribe, your solos, your, your sales people, your sales coaches who know solos to kind of get through this together. Yeah, absolutely. They're not there in personal life. Yeah. And you can't, you know, and even your own employees, like I have so many business owners that I work with, they're like, I just need to hire another me. I'm like, oh God, no, you're never going to, one, never going to find another. (laughs) You don't want another you because, you know, it's like, you know, that person that is just like you that you can't stand, that's what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, exactly. And we need to have like, you know, the other part of community, we need to have differing opinions, different personality styles, different backgrounds. Like, you know, there's this all the talk about, you know, diversity and inclusion in corporations, because they've recognized that the more diverse voices that we have in our organizations, one will be able to relate to our customers better, but we'll also have a much more well-rounded perspective of things. We need that as business owners, when we're hiring employees, when we're choosing our tribe, when we're choosing our community, you know, that's one of the things I actually write about in the book is these are the things that you should look for in a community when you're choosing who you want to make part of your tribe. Because we've all been part of those groups that were like, yeah, this is either a waste of my time or not my people. And, you know, there's things that you can do to find your people. But then, you know, back to the health thing as well is 
it's, it's very much tied together, like how we take care of ourselves, our self-care. You know, one of the books that I talk about is The Self-Care Mindset by Jeanette Braune. And it applies to us as business owners so succinctly because we need to prioritize self-care, not because it's a fluffy feel-good thing. There's an ROI to it, people. Like this, And that's one of the things that I talk about in the book is that your self-care is going to directly impact your ability to change your beliefs, to change your mindsets, to adopt new behaviors, new disciplines. And, you know, and change just generally yourself and your circumstances. And it's going to make you a better seller to sell with your buyers. That's where the ROI comes from. And you're just going to be a generally happier person as well as a healthier person. And so, there's, you know, finding your tribe of people to do that, doing the self-care routines. You know, I talk about uh, a cognitive behavioral approach in the book of how we actually start to recognize and become aware of those things that are getting in our way. These are all of the keys to not only being successful in your business, but to actually enjoy the journey. And I think that's the reason we're doing it. One, we want to have the freedom. We want to have the journey that we decide for ourselves. But we also, at least for me, want to have an impact influence on others. And we can't do that when we're in this stressed out and not taking care of ourselves kind of a situation. So as you're, that's totally spot on. And that's the thing I learned most of all in the past three years through the pandemic, mm-hmm. even as I'm building a community that was getting people to exercise, live guided, remote, telling them to sleep, doing all the webinars on all of this. Here's the hypocrite. And I'm doing this overseas in different time zones, of course. Here yeah. I am, you know, but not me. I'm Superman. I can I can sleep four hours a night. I can do all this. What a farce. And I think yeah. that also happens. No one keeps us in check as solos because we have all the answers. We're going to do it our way. We're going to do it our way. I can tie my own shoes, mommy. I got it. You know, it's that on everything. And that independence is good, but it can get too far. So having a group who can then remind you or having a resource like yourself, integrating that with the sales philosophy that mindset shift just permeates every part of life. I had a real, I do still have a hard time asking for help and, you know, going through the process of writing the book and, and, you know, just life in general, I've, I've had to make a very conscious effort to ask for help because I grew up being told and believing that the only person you can count on is yourself. So, you know, talk about independence and self-sufficiency. Like that was my mission in life to not need anything or anyone ever. Like, I mean, my personal goals are to go off the grid where nobody knows where I am. Hey, so, yeah, that's right. You know, like that's just kind of who I am. So asking other people for help was just felt like a failure. Felt like if you were successful, if you were good enough, if you were strong enough, you wouldn't need to ask for help. And so those are the kinds of things that, having a group of people around you to check you, to keep you accountable, um, and also to help you kind of start to change those perspective and beliefs. That's really key. I remember I for like 12 years, I didn't take a vacation. Two years, I didn't take a single day off. And I was, I'm part of a group called Women Sales Pros. And one of the women, Nancy, had heard me say that to someone. And she's like, you're not allowed to come back until you take a goddamn vacation. Oh, that's good. That's what you need. Those are the friends you right. need. I have a couple of friends like that. They're like, I am going to book this with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit here and do the Airbnb with you because I know you're not going to do it. And I'm thinking, wow, they care. But they're probably also thinking like, you suck to work with. You need a time off. You're not even good to be around. Right. This is the worst. So I will help you book this. And those little breaks help. And, you know, unfortunately I have wrote my computer on some of these breaks, but even that as a start is okay, but you can't do that. You just need a break. You just need to like shields down again. It's not about me. I'm not that important. 
their business, everyone's the business will, will continue. The world's going to go on without me. Yes, it really exactly. is. And I had to. So for me, it was. So when Nancy said that to me, when was that? That I was in the fall. So that spring, following spring, I booked a long weekend to go up north in Maine to a place called Moxie. And they have these three main rivers that come together to form a dam. And then they release the dam twice a year. And it's a class five rapids. Scared to death, but I did it. <laughs> it was the best time I'd ever had. Of course, they put me in the front of the raft, which is where you're going to get like most likely <laughs> thrown out and wet. Like you're like, you know, the newbie That's goes like and- Splash Mountain, one of those yeah. things, right? But the other thing of it was there was no cell phone reception. My phone was a paperweight. And like for the first day, like my anxiety had to have been etched all over my face because they're like, Carol, you just need to chill out. I'm like, but, 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 but what if, what if? And by day two, I was like, okay, I can handle this. I, you know, like I can be okay. And by the third day, I was like, what phone? Like I had a sense of freedom and clarity that I'd never had before. And then, you know, and like, that's when I realized things like, okay, the kids are about to be going out of the house and like, you know, what's my purpose in life now? Like, I realized a lot of the time I was keeping myself so busy is because I didn't want to face that big question, that empty nester question, like what's next. So, you know, getting away from it all, turning off the distractions, the beeps, the bleeps, the reminders, that's going to help you as a business owner to be more focused, to be more grounded. And I feel like we're addicted to that stress level and dopamine levels of constantly checking social media and email and calendars because we're busy and we're important and we need to do these things. And it is completely undermining us. So I can't agree more that on that. And I'm also a massive hypocrite on that too, because <laughs> the vacation's next week. I keep saying the vacation's next week. The vacation's next week. Is it? And it, it almost is. But okay. uh, we, you, you know, we can sit here after the call and you can help me book it on Airbnb. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. I, yeah. I know you probably would too. That's the kind of person you are. I'll you know, send you right up who, in, you know, Northern Maine. I would love that. Telephone reception. You, yeah. yeah just bring bug spray. I would be scared, but I would, I would love it. Okay. I'm, I'm a, I'm a city slicker, you know, I, I oh, you're glamping, a, glamping I, in Maine. We call them the city boys here. Yeah. Yeah. Here, yes. I, I like to pretend I can pull that off, but. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Well. I'll take the risk because I'm going to die one way or another. I'll die by not taking a vacation or die in the woods of Maine. Well, that's Either the way. thing. Not taking At least I'm dying in the woods. It will kill you to not take a vacation. Yes. Because stress is the number one killer. It causes cancer, relationship failures, mental health issues. Hello, cancer. Like I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer uh, the year I started my business. Don't think wow. that was a coincidence. Well, you've gotten focused on health and and everything recently and in the past few years. Yeah. And I want to ask you how you were able to juggle it all because Carol, you're doing everything everyone says they should do. (laughs) And you might go, Oh, not everything, but from an outsider's Uh, view, it sure seems that way. So how's it, how's it all, how's it all manifesting for you? So first I would say One of the first pieces of business advice that I got when I started my business is that you can't manage your time. You can only prioritize it. And so, you know, we had, you had talked, you know, earlier on the conversation about the one thing. And so for me, it is focusing on the one thing uh, helped me to know what I could say yes to and what I could say no to. If so, my one thing this year is launching this book, successful book launch. I have a number in my head of how many books I want to have sold because that number tells me Yes, sure. Bestseller, blah, 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 blah. But for me, that number means that I've reached the people that it needs, that I'm helping the people that it was meant for. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the only thing that really matters to me is to leave behind something that will help someone else get through what I had to go through and what so many others are probably going through right now. 
And so by focusing on that one thing, it made it very easy for me to align my, my energy, my mental space, my time, and my resources to that. So, you know, my typical day starts off with hopefully getting up before 6.30 a.m. <laughs> That's the goal. Doesn't always work that way. And then, you know, I spend, you know, I have I have a little mini farm here. So I take the dog out. I feed the take care of the chickens. I check in the garden, sit down and have my coffee. I do my meditation, probably have another cup of coffee because it takes me about an hour to wake up due to thyroid. <laughs> and then I go right into doing yoga, some kind of strength training. And then I check my email. Then I check my LinkedIn. And I usually have my days planned out uh, at least a day in advance. So I have blocks of time for certain things. So in the morning, it's, you know, when I was writing the book, it was to write the book. I would spend an hour joining a writing group. We would all get together on Zoom. And this was our writing time. And again, doing it with a group of people helped me to be accountable. It also helped me to deal with those feelings of uh, anxiety. And I call them the, the, I have these little, um, where are they? These little poop emoji dolls. And so whenever I would get those thoughts in my head of, oh, this isn't good enough. This is going to be a waste of paper. You're going to get laughed out of the bookstore. I would take one of those stupid poop emoji dolls and I'd throw it across the room, call it bullshit. And of course, then the dog would go chasing after it. <laughs> but it was like a physical way for me to like just change the belief, like recognize that the belief is there and then replace it with something else. And my writing group thought that was hilarious. So now we have the, the trolls and the poop emoji dolls. <laughs> and so that was my morning. And then typically in the after, then after, you know, my creative time is going into client calls. So like by 10 a.m., I've got client calls, coaching calls going, which, you know, those really actually help feed me as well in my creativity, because we're talking about issues that they're facing and overcoming those. And I always have a burst of adrenaline after I've gotten off a coaching call, which is probably why I'm so excited on this call, because I just got off of a coaching call. And so like that really, you know, that gives me a lot of energy. It also drains me if I do day, you know, hour after hour of it. So I have to give myself little breaks. And so I typically plan for like an hour to an hour and a half for lunch where I take the dog for a walk. I go for a swim. We go snowshoeing. Uh, you know, I make something healthy for lunch or so forth. And then in the afternoon, you know, and also interspersed as this is sales calls, things like that, typically in the afternoon or sales calls or podcast interviews or things like that. And so I typically have my day broken up that way because I've learned for me, again, it will be different for everyone because we all have our own tendencies. We need to be flexible in our processes for ourselves. That's what I have found works for me over the last couple of years. And the way that I found that that works for me, if you go to my uh, website, unboundgrowth.com, and you do a search in the bottom for how I work and get shit done, it kind of describes the process that I use to come up with this routine. So every year, you know, I every year I have my one thing, my goal, the thing that I want to accomplish this year, that's a big stretch goal for me, writing the book, for example. And so then that gets broken down into quarterly milestones. And then I break that down into monthly and weekly activities that need to happen to accomplish that particular goal. And then I plan my week out with blocks of time. How much time do I need for sales? How much time, you know, do I need for these particular things? And I make sure that those are blocked in my calendar so things don't get booked over it. But I also have the flexibility to move those things around if I want to. And then each day at the end of the day, I look at what needs to happen in the next day and I add details to it. 
Who do I need to talk to? What's the next step in this sales conversation? You know, what do I need to rehearse or practice in this particular speech or presentation? What podcast do I need to prepare for? So that when I get up the next day, I'm not filled with that anxiety of, oh my God, what am I going to get done today? How am I going to get that? And I'm trying to scramble to get all the resources together. I've got a plan already in place with details and cues to tell me when I need to do what, so that I'm, I don't have that built up anxiety of I've got this big deadline looming and I don't know how I'm going to get it done in time. I know that I'm going to be able to get it done in time because I have this kind of process and routine. That That's great. That's... And it's, it saves my sanity, honestly. And people You're are like, how me. in the world are you doing all of this stuff? I'm like, are you kidding? There's like still half a list of things that I don't haven't gotten to that I want to get done. That's yet. right. Yeah. And the alternative is to, you know, um, get a prescription for, you know, anxiety, a prescription for ADHD. And I I've been there for ADHD and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not encouraging or giving medical advice, but for me, these methods of having a schedule, having a routine are far by far have been the best things that have worked for me. And it mm-hmm. sounds like for you, it's the same deal. And yeah. I think you get to the point where you're like, no, I'm not shortcutting. I'm going to actually do the work and feel better and um, remain consistent. Yeah. How are you keeping consistent? Are you doing it all on your own or? I, do, I mean, I have coaches. I have coaches yeah. for speaking. I have coaches for writing. I mean, I have a group of other sales experts that are coaches for me in my own sales process and in my own business. Like, I, I'm a huge Patriots fan. I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. And he's the greatest quarterback of all time because he had like nine different coaches for very specific things so that he could do that. Well, so do you side with him in the divorce? Oh. You side with him in the divorce? What's that again about his divorce? Do you side with him in the divorce? Uh, I don't take sides either way. Brazil? No, yeah. I'm just joking. I'm, no, here we're in Eagles kinda, country, so everyone's looking for a reason to hate Tom Brady. So yeah, anyway. no, I don't hate Tom Brady, but I do. I mean, I'm going to side with Gazelle because I can only uh, of course what it's like having to take care of all of the home stuff and all of the kids while you go off and and do whatever it is that you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, I can't find anyone who sympathizes with Tom Brady. I, yeah, I no. agree. He's the world time best quarterback, but I'm not going to yes. weigh in on the quarterback wise, husband wise, <laughs> maybe not my cup of tea. But you know, anyway, we won't go there. So. It's one of those things where, yes, I have this process and things like that, but do I get up and not feel like doing things? Hell yes. And there's times and days where I'm like, nope, not doing it. There's times and there are days where like, you know, if I've been traveling, I need like a day or two days to recoup. And that might be me and Netflix all day on the couch. It happens maybe once a quarter, but it happens. And so I don't beat myself up over that. It's me listening to my body and my body saying, yeah, you need to chill the hell out. And then there's also, you know, like you get up in the morning and you're like, okay, I need to do prospecting calls. And so I've set up like these little things for myself. Like I'll create a reward system myself. I'm going to do, you know, my first 10 prospecting outreaches or calls or whatever it is that I'm going to do. And then I'm going to go in the garden for 15 minutes, or I'm going to take the dog for a walk, or I'm going to go have that chocolate and peanut butter that I've been thinking about all day, whatever it is, that little reward that I'm only going to give myself once I've done that particular task. Another thing that I do is When I was writing, there were days where I was like, I don't know if this is like, you know, you're totally down on yourself. You're like, this is just, this just sucks. And then there's days where it all flows and you've written 5,000 words in two hours. But then there were those days where it's like, I'm lucky if I got five words in, or I just went back and edited things. And what I told myself was it's more about the consistency than getting this outcome. So I detached myself from the outcome and just committed myself to doing the task. And really, actually, all I committed to do was starting it. I didn't even commit to, I'm going to do 90 minutes of writing. I'm going to open my laptop. I'm going to open the document and I'm going to do five minutes. And then I'm going to do five more minutes. And so I take it a little bit at a time and build that habit over a period of time. Like um, James Clear and Tom McCabbix, 
it's not about these huge things that we do to achieve our goals. It's the small little daily behaviors and changes that we accumulate over time, like interest in the bank that get us to those behavioral changes that will stick. I've been doing yoga every day for almost three years now. And if I don't do it, I feel like I miss breakfast. Yes. Like eventually it just becomes a part, like our brains love routine. And so if we can set ourselves up with good and healthy habits and routines that we don't even have to make ourselves do or think about eventually, then we can start adding new things to it. And that's how we continually improve as a person in, in that kind of development. So that's how I get it done, how I keep my sanity. And I also have, you know, checks and balances. My husband and I have safe words, like when I'm working too much or my brain won't shut off. He has, the, you know, he's like, he basically says, you need to shut your brain off. You need to. I close. thought it was queen of hearts. Yeah. Isn't that <laughs> the Manchurian candidate right now? No, no, not the queen of, of hearts. No, but like that's, that's their safe word. But for us, we have like, you know, when he's spiraling out of things or, or if he gets too negative, I call him negative Nancy. Ah, you know, we have like these little that. names that we call each other when we're in that state to, to help snap each other out of it. We, I think good. it's something we developed during the pandemic because like I was watching the news every night while making dinner during the pandemic. And, and he's like, yeah, no, this, this needs to happen. You like, you know, anti-Trump are you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah trumpster or anti-trumpster or yeah, one of exactly. the other right one of those labels is going to be there because that's exactly. the world it just revolves around trump or something. yeah and if we really need to like pull each other out of the quagmire that we've got <laughs> against, then he just says you're just like your mom i'm like well you're just like your mom so oh there. those are those are fighting words i know better than those don't yeah. want to ever do that one but yeah we do it so but good. We need, that. Like we need those people that not only will keep us in check, but that we will allow them to keep us in check, right? Like there's all those That's people right. who are willing to be, keep, keep us accountable. But what I'm saying is recruit those people consciously, yes. choose them intentionally, because who you're open and transparent to, you have to make sure that that person is your best interest at heart, isn't going to turn around and use it against you later. Wow. Because that just yeah. closes you off even more. And we all have those people that we've encountered. That is the best advice. And I can tell you firsthand. Yeah. I mean, it seems like common sense, but we don't always realize it. They're not always there. And you got to learn. And once you find one or two, then you see more and more that are willing to do it. And that is really the key to consistency. The person who can tell you whatever, negative Nancy, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, or however it might be, or the person who helps you book the vacation, you name it that's that's the those are the friends we need and i think we can get there with communities too especially communities where we can let our guard down and be ourselves yes and it's still and i have tried like for 10 to 15 years to find those kinds of communities you know one of them and i'm going to just give them a shout out one of them is heroic public speaking absolutely changed my life the other is women's sales pros also absolutely changed my life and the top three book workshop, like these, are the, I mean, and also the HubSpot partner community, I put that yes. on the list. Um, but those, you know, what Pete Caputa did and what he created in the HubSpot mm-hmm. partner community was a blueprint for others to start creating those kinds of communities and, and channel partner programs. And those are the kinds of communities, those like, like, that's how we met. And we've known each other for like Absolutely. a decade now. You hold on to those kinds of relationships because you know that there's, there's a collaborative trusting nature to them where you can be yourself. You can be your authentic, genuine self without fear of judgment, criticism, or public humiliation. Yeah. I think that's the key to it. And you know what? Well, I'm going to end on one note here. The number one piece of advice for solos that you can offer 
that might not be common or or just is so overwhelmingly important for them that it might just change their life for one person who might just listen today and just capture that. Good Lord, there's so many. Start writing shit down. Yes. Right? I mean, I know that a lot of us don't like to write, but there is a, writing is one of those things that one, if you journal every day, I had to journal every day for the longest time. And sometimes I still do when I'm facing tough situations, but sitting down and writing things out, it has a neurological impact on us that puts us in a meditative state. And if we can sit down and write and journal for 15 minutes a day and get into that meditative state, you can literally rewire your brain. You can start to make connections that didn't exist before. You can start to overcome uh, connections that have gotten broken by some kind of trauma because, you know, in digging into some of the research and mental health and entrepreneurs, a lot of us have gone through childhood traumas. A lot of us have ADHD, uh, depression, anxiety, all of these things, which, you know, maybe that's what makes us entrepreneurs and maybe that's what entrepreneurship does to us. I don't know yet, but one of the ways to start fixing those things or, or aligning those things is through some type of meditation. And so for some people it's writing. The other thing of writing is not only is it put you in a better mental health state, meditative state, rewire your brain, overcome traumas, deal with isolation, become more emotionally manageable and controlling our emotions and not seeking external validation from others. These are just a few of the things that meditation will do for you, as well as, you know, help you, un, un, you know, overcome health issues like physical health issues. But the other thing that writing it down does is if you start getting in a habit of writing things down. That's how you're going to develop your systems, your processes, your ability to scale, the learnings about your customer, to be ahead of things in the market, share insightful things on social media and in your newsletters and emails, as well as start to process some of the things that you're learning. Writing is a key way to do that. Now, yes, you can do it with a keyboard, but if you're looking for the therapeutic side of writing, you really need to use like pencil and paper or something like that. And I don't think it's advice of much many business owners here, but it is something that will impact every aspect of your life and your business. Carol, I think that might save somebody. I honestly I do. hope so. <laughs> it saved me, like honestly. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being one of the first interviews. And you have been an old time friend and have had amazing impact. And I can't wait to keep doing this stuff with you with solos and, and ha- helping people feel better and, and stick together and do better. Yeah. I mean, the whole reason we started this journey is because we wanted to design a life for ourselves and our loved ones. And a lot of times we find ourselves in the exact opposite situation where everything feels like it's out of control. And I, I, you know, the other thing about writing is your circumstances are such that you can always change them. And it always starts with you. I know the t-shirt says not about you, but it really does start with you. Yeah. If you don't take care of yourself, that's one of the things you said, right? I want to do it on my own. And it's also, you put yourself last on the list way too often all the time. And you have to then focus on you in that, in that circumstance. So you can focus on others, especially with self care mm-hmm. and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. So thanks for coming today. And when's your book coming out? September 5th, we're launching it at inbound. Am I going to see you at inbound? Yeah, you are. Yay. Yes, so you are. launching it at Inbound. And I'm super excited for that. Like, you know, HubSpot has been near and dear to my heart, been part of the partner community for a while, coached a lot of HubSpotters themselves. And so to launch it at Inbound is really special for me. Um, we've got after parties happening. I'm on two, I'm moderating a panel where we're going to be talking about this very thing, this transformation that we've all need to go through for sales. And then I'm going to be on another panel as well. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited. If, it's, it's all full circle for us. And if people can't get to Inbound, there will be a simulcast or something afterwards where they'll be able to find this as well. 
Yeah. So after what I'm one of the things that I'm doing uh, in September is I'm going to start doing sort of like a monthly group coaching type of a call. So the first one I'm doing in September is for anyone who has pre-ordered the book. So if you order the book before September 5th, fill out a quick little form to let us know. And we're going to add you to our first group coaching call for the buyer first, which will be free. And uh, that's going to happen, I think, mid I think it's like mid to late September. So get in on that. Uh, if it's something that I find people are like, you know, really getting some impact and influence and help from, then we'll probably do it every month. Yeah. And just so you know, I'm going to put all this stuff on the On Solo's website because this Perfect. has been such a great interview and you're helping people in this lifestyle just end a lot of pain and enjoy happiness through all the stuff you said and all the lessons learned. That's what it's about. Us who have gone forth and blazed the trail through blood, sweat, and tears. Let them not all be yours. Yes, we'll, exactly. we'll, we'll share it. So that's what that's what coming together is all about. So yes. thanks again, friend. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. I'm excited yes. to, to help everybody hear this later on. Awesome. Awesome. Bye. Bye.